I'm Kim Grenolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetters. Signing day, December 20th, 2017 for the 2018 class. First day in the books, just got done with Chris Peterson's press conference where Washington received 18 national letters of intent today. There were 17 on the original list and they came in real quick at the... Uh, Close to when Chris Peterson came out and gave us the uh, new list with uh, Draco Bynum, Draco Bynum being the last one added, but uh, kind of an uneventful day so far, Chris. Well, that's kind of what we've come to expect with Chris Peterson is that he likes to get these things done with no muss, no fuss. And, you know, I thought when I heard that the press conference was going to be at 1130, it was either going to be, okay, they either are just going to kind of go as they go, or they're going to have everything done by then. And clearly, they had it down to the wire, and they kind of they nailed it to the minute, which is kind of the M.O. for Chris Peterson. He didn't want any wasted time, got the last guy under the gun, and so he was able to talk about all, to, all uh, 18 guys. Yeah, got fired up a little bit with the photographer down close to him. Uh, you know, Chris is one of those guys who gets a little claustrophobic, and uh, you get in his bubble, and he gets a little uptight, but uh, got a little fired up talking about some other coaching and the nonsense that goes on out there. But every coach is always excited about their signing class but truly I think there's a lot to be excited about this class Chris well there is only in the sense that uh, he was able to get all 18 signed and uh, and was able to do it with very little fanfare Um, you know we heard that uh, Brandon Cajo there was some things going on with him that maybe you know some other schools were trying to come in on him late but um, clearly they were so enamored with their official visit and how things went when he committed that uh, it didn't feel like there was ever going to be a problem with him. But again, it does show you that there is a shadier side to it, as we all know. And <coughs> Johnny is, Nansen? Yeah. <coughs> Johnny Nansen? This is something where we are... Uh, you know, we were we were uh, always kind of uh, wondering what Chris Peterson thought of all that stuff, and he kind of got visibly uh, demonstrable and just uh, was really kind of he wanted to talk a lot about it, but couldn't obviously name any names and stuff. But clearly, he thinks that a lot of the biz- the bad practices um, kind of give the business of recruiting a, a really bad name. You know, and I think all the people who follow recruiting know that uh, they've got him listed as all a. Coho, um, but uh, I think everybody knows he's kind of a special kid. And you know, when asked about that, he's probably the one person that uh, Coach Pete went in depth with, describing the process of when he came out on his own over the summertime, and then he wanted to get his parents here, and then his parents came out and understood. But uh, really interesting comments by Coach Pete. Well, right, and he's clearly going to be considered uh, one of the crown jewels of this class, a class that also has two very, very highly rated um, quarterbacks and also some some other really, really top-notch players. But there's no doubt that a guy like Caho is, is going to take uh, a lot of the kind of the air out in terms of, you know, when you hear guys like Nick Saban coming in home with him and you've got USC making last-minute uh, pushes for a guy like that and Washington's still able to land him, that's, you know, that's impressive. And so it's, it's just one of those things where um, – he said it's all about fit, and it, it, you know it wasn't just when he came to Washington, Chris Peterson, but it's also about getting the guys that feel the same way about Washington that he does, and getting that instant connection. And it's clear when Caho came for the Rising Stars camp that he he must have had some sort of real instant connection with this place. Well, the other thing that was interesting about him was that we've got him listed on our site as what six four two thirty, but that. Uh, you know the weights um, that we get on the sheet that's handed out are what they weighed them in. And heights too. Heights and weights. They uh, when they ga- when they came here, and they've got Cajo listed as six one two eighteen. A little surprised on that. Um, a little bit. 
a little bit. I mean, in, in seeing pictures with him in the in-homes and things like that, he still looks bigger than 6'1". I would put him at 6'2 myself, but if that's what they have him at, that's what they have him at. But, I mean, they have Trey Lowe at 5'7". And, and he, you know, Peterson compared him to Chico McClatcher, so I'm not surprised there. And then they've got, um, you know, MJ Ale at 361 pounds. 6'6". Yeah, three sixty. And when you take a look at those offensive linemen that they signed, you know, with MJ Ale at six six, three sixty one. Victor Kern, six three three thirteen. And uh, where's uh, Mele? Mateo Mele, six five two seventy seven. So he may be that athletic guy out there. But it was interesting. He talked about Victor Kern being able to have the nasty to play inside and the athleticism to swing outside. So said he could be a swing guy for them. Yeah, no, it sounds like they have a, a lot of different things that they could do with him, and that's what they like. They like the versatility. You know, you look at a guy like Sam Taimani, he's 6'2", 230, and he's considered by 24-7 as being one of the best offensive linemen in the country, but yet Washington's going to use him as a defensive lineman. So, again, you know, people were wondering where's the beef, and they were worried about, you know, if they didn't get a guy like Tommy Togiai, what, what would they do? Well, Taimani at 6'2", 320, um, that fits the bill pretty quickly. Yeah, also, you know, talking about Jacob Sermon, you know, who's been committed for three years to Coach Pete, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, just ask Coach Pete about, you know, offering early because I don't think he was real comfortable with it when he first got here, but they like to do their due diligence. But, you know, he insisted he doesn't have any problems offering a kid early. But you mentioned this about a week ago, Chris, that how few offers Washington has. So we'll dig into that a little bit deeper, how many offers Washington put out there as opposed to Oregon and USC and some of the other schools because it's nowhere near as many as some of the other schools. Well, no. I mean, they. I think we looked, and it was somewhere in the 80s. And you look at even like Ohio State. I was looking this up because of the connection with Tommy Togiai. And Ohio State is offered at least double that much. And Oregon may be triple. And so... You know, Washington, there's no doubt their their recruiting is starting to resemble Stanford's in many, many ways in terms of not so much the selectivity academically, but, you know, Peterson did want to point out that the combined core GPA of this entire recruiting class so far, all 18 of these guys, is over 3.0, which is pretty phenomenal in its own right. But it's not just that. It's just they're looking for fit, and he's it, fit seems to be the word with him and everything. And if and if they find the right guy, I mean, they're going to go after him, whether it's a lower GPA guy or or if they just know, if they just have a great feeling and they just feel like that's the guy that we need, whether it's a position thing or if it's something else that has to do with his recruitment, uh, and they just have a gut feeling that that's the way it's going to work, that I think they're going to make that thing happen. And it's just uh, again. When that, when that does take place, I mean, they, they really want to show that when they do put an offer out, it means something. And I don't know if a lot of other schools can really say that. Coach Pete said when they make an offer, they want it to mean something. And when you go back to the OKG thing, uh, you know, having the balance, your academic life, your social life, and your football life being in balance. And where a lot of schools are offering kids based upon their, you know, just their football, and that's it. They take nothing else. When you take a look at those three things that Coach Pete is looking for, that balance of the social, uh, the um, football athletic, and the academic side, that's kind of the foundation where Pete's going from. So he's not necessarily looking for the football player that's complete now, but he's looking for those base things to be in order. And then what can we make him? What can we turn him into? It's just like when we were talking to Jackson Sermon last night um, on the radio. You know, Pete told him, you know, if you come to school and you're a re- you have a really good football career, but you don't excel after that, 
He says, I haven't done my job. And that's what Pete, that's the way Pete looks at things. So he's a failure if you just play football and don't succeed in life after football. Cool. So he, he mentioned at the press conference, because Softy brought up the idea of guys like Buda Baker becoming a rookie, um, you know, pro bowler, you know, for the first time as a special teamer and how he wasn't surprised. And, and I was wondering how much of those kind of accolade type things do they use in their recruiting sales pitches in the in the homes, in the living rooms, and, and how impressive that must be to, you know, hey, you have the current Morris Trophy winner. You have the current Pat Tillman Defensive Player of the Year for the Pac-12. How many of these things? And he was like, I don't even know if I told Vita you know how great it was that he got that award and you know he wasn't even aware and so it's clear that those types of things are very secondary and almost are kind of window dressing compared to his main pitch which is the built for life okg all the other things that we've talked about so many different so many different times and he talks a lot about that and the fans and the alumni and the players talk a lot about that but make no mistake Chris Peterson's as competitive as they come, and when he gets fired up. You know, he did a couple times today. Uh, recruiting is a competitive sport, and he's just as competitive on the recruiting trail as he is on the football field. Well, he is, and that's why I think he got his hackles up a little bit when talking about the negative aspect of it and how some of the things that some of his um, you know, colleagues do really kind of rub him the wrong way and just – you know, he couldn't go into details, but the negative aspect of these things, we've seen a lot of it over the years, and, you know, we kind of know what's going on, but that still doesn't necessarily mean people should be happy with it, and he clearly isn't. He made a, I mean, he admitted, you know, somebody asked him if, you know, with some of the stuff that was going on there, if, uh, I think it was Soft, he asked him if, you know, did you make a phone call to any coaches and let him know that that wasn't acceptable, and Pete got, you know, Pete got fired up and said, yeah. He actually did make some calls to some other coach, and I'm guessing it was down south and <coughs> Johnny Natson. Um, but, uh, well, he's, he's, earned, he's earned quite the reputation all over the place, so uh, I'm sure a guy like Nansen, he's not the only one, but he certainly around these parts has earned uh, a well-deserved rep. Yeah, just uh, like I said, non-eventful day, you know, uh, waiting on a couple of more guys. Uh, Kyler Gordon expected to announce Friday uh, on King 5. I'm guessing they're still waiting. It's 7 o'clock? Yeah, still waiting on uh, Caleb Trembley, uh, the uh, J.C. defensive lineman. And um, Julius Irvin has said that he won't announce until – he's not going to sign until signing day, put out on Twitter – the second signing day, which is February 7th, he put out on Twitter that he wasn't going to be signed early due to a family medical emergency. Yeah. So, I mean, there's obviously still guys that are in the mix, and, and obviously some other names will come through depending on uh, what their numbers look like and what have you. But it certainly looks like Kyler Gordon is one to watch. It certainly looks like Caleb Tremblay is, is one to watch. It certainly looks like Julius Irvin's going to be one to watch for February. Um, you know, we'll see if there's any others that show up as well. You know, we had a late one like Dimitri uh, Stanley who did sign with Colorado today. So that was a guy that was late on the radar but went ahead and did sign with the school that he was committed to. So, And, again, he's a legacy there, so not too surprising. Yeah, and I think that has a lot to do with Washington expecting to get Kyler Gordon on Friday. Uh, I expect that to happen. You know, with everything I've seen and heard, there's nothing to indicate uh, anything other than um, him announcing he's staying home a la Buda Baker when he announced that he was staying uh, in a home and, uh, you know, the same guy who set it up for Buddha set it up for uh, uh, Kyler. So I'd be surprised if Kyler goes anywhere else. Uh, Caleb Tremblay, 
Um, sounds like uh, USC might be stringing him along a little bit to see if they do indeed have room. Sounds like he wants to go there, but you know, one of my sources saying they want to have him, but they're just kind of holding him off a little bit to see if they do indeed have room. Yeah, and we'll see if uh, Washington has room too. I mean, they're at 18 right now. Um, you know, they could add, a, you know, I think 20 to 22 is what uh, the numbers were that Scott Eklund was working with. We found out today um, that Bryce Sturck, uh, the outside linebacker, is transferred to uh, Montana State. I asked Chris Peterson about that, and he had glowing things to say about Bryce, but uh, he wouldn't uh, he wouldn't bite at the the question about if there were any other. Uh, any other players in terms of expected attrition, maybe before the uh, before the Fiesta Bowl or maybe before spring football, if there were any other players that were leaving. Um, so we don't know. We're, we're certainly going to have to be on the lookout for that. But obviously, if, if someone leaves, that offers a space up for someone that can come in. Yeah, the one that we have questions on is uh, Daniel Bridge-Gad, who on his Facebook put that he's a former student athlete at University of Washington, but we haven't been able to get anybody to uh, confirm that. And it doesn't say that on his Twitter account or Instagram, so yeah. I don't know if it's just a it was just a snafu on his part or what, but it's something we can certainly look at. Well, when we get down to uh, the Fiesta Bowl practice, we'll get a good idea of uh, who's coming. We're and being invaded right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we'll get a good idea of who's there and who's not, and Daniel Bridgecat is definitely somebody we'll be looking at, and we'll run down the list and uh, see who's there. And it looks like we got about 40 so far kindergartners walking through Heckhead <laughs> right behind us. Yeah. <laughs> So much for trying to find a quiet spot to do this. Yeah, um, also now that this class is signed, Expect uh, the talk of um, Jacob Eason to heat up a little bit. So he's still at Georgia. Um, everybody's expecting him to transfer out, and I'm sure he'll be interested in Washington. So expect that talk to heat up a little bit as well. Yeah, again, I, unless something does happen with a guy like Daniel Bridge-Gad, I'm not sure how the numbers fit at quarterback. I mean, you're going to you're looking at six, seven quarterbacks in that situation scholarship guys seems pretty tight to me yeah well they lost kj they're gonna lose jake and they're gonna lose uh you know daniel if daniel bridge gads so um it's like they always say the numbers always seem to work out so um you know we'll see what happens so uh again uneventful day anything else to add chris no again other than the fact is is that you know in chris peterson's ideal recruiting scenario he would get all this stuff done before he got a chance to talk to, to the media about this. 11.30 was the time, so that's the time that they set. And uh, I think by about 11.27, 11.28, it was all wrapped up. So uh, according to plan, according to script, as far as Chris Peterson goes, another uneventful signing day, and uh, off you go. Yeah, just the way they, they like it. No drama this year, you know, but there hasn't been. Uh, last year a little bit with Marlon Tuipolotu, the year before I think it was with Chris Warren, but uh, nothing left over. Just, you know, pretty much everybody waiting on Kyler Gordon. So yeah. I mean, just, I mean, yeah, again. I mean, there are going to be storylines to watch. But in terms of guys that were currently committed, in terms of guys maybe flipping or going to other places, as, as much as you see that down in the SEC, as much as you see, you know, guys flipping to schools like Clemson and Ohio State and SC and, you know, USC and, and, and UCLA had a flip where they each one of them flipped a guy. 
to, to the other school. You know, they have Washington just doesn't deal with that kind of stuff under Peterson. That just doesn't seem like something that he's uh, interested in at all. And to be able to go 18 for 18 this morning, get all those guys signed, sealed, and delivered, um, that's, like I said, that's according to Peterson's script. That's exactly what he'd want to do. Only one change in the recruiting class, you know, since its inception. Um, is it Nick Bolton was the only one where um, he decommitted? And I don't know where he wound up signing. Don't know. Yeah. yeah, mutual parting of the ways, apparently, and I wish the best for Nick. But, I, yeah, again, uh, the early thought was maybe he'd go to A&M. But then again, with Jimbo Fisher now at A&M, you know, who knows what his recruitment now is going to be like. Yeah, we'll see. So, anyways, uh, you know, thanks to all of you guys for hanging in with us. And, uh, you know, anything breaking, we'll make sure to get it out there. If you're looking for those daily updates in your uh, inbox, you can check it out at uh, – just send us a note, huskystadium at gmail.com, subject line newsletter, We'll get you taken care of. So uh, big thanks to Luke Monger, Scott Eklund. Uh, Scott's been working his tail off the last couple nights. I don't know if he slept or not, uh, but big props to Scott. And then Brandon Huffman, uh, Blair Angulo, as well as Greg Biggins. Uh, you know, they're the best in the business. So for all of us at Dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds along with Chris Fetters. Go dogs.